0: I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So last week, I mentioned that there's a balance of raising kids who are strong, independent, and know how to self-advocate, yet they're still respectful. But I didn't have time to dig into this process. So I wanted to get into this today because I feel like it's a really helpful skill. But not only that, I actually got five questions this week. Three from parents on my member parent chat that we just had yesterday, but they're about this exact subject. So, and then two more emails in addition to this. So it's definitely something a lot of parents are looking for, the skills to know how to balance this. So just to reiterate what I covered about this last week, I'm gonna remind you what I shared last week about this, and then I'm gonna get into how you can do this by age. We're gonna go all the way through starting toddlerhood, we're gonna go all the way through teens so no matter what age your children are, you have a go-to, some ways to start building this roadmap in your family, and also you'll see how it unfolds, so it's really pretty cool. Um, I'm gonna cover some common scenarios, some ideas and guidelines for approaching these scenarios at each age group. Because kids are gonna have different levels of emotional skills at three than at 15, so knowing how to scaffold them so that they are great, respectful communicators most of the time, especially as they age beyond the preschool years. You set it up in the preschool years, gonna have a lot easier, smoother road to this as, you, as they get older. So last week I shared, if kids are to grow into strong, independent adults, they absolutely need the freedom and ability and the space to question and to even disagree with some of our rules, our boundaries, and our expectations. Giving them a safe space to do that is important, but also teaching them how to do so respectfully is just as important. And it teaches these important life skills, the self-advocating, conflict resolution, cooperative problem solving, how can we work together to see if we can meet both their goals and ours too? Because obviously people don't wanna help us when we come at them attacking, going right to the negative. We need to know how to approach people in a positive way. This is what we're going to teach our kids how to do this. We as parents want our kids to be healthy. We want them to be safe. We want to set up important habits. We want to set up certain important values with them and share those values and hope that they share them with us. We want to set these all up. You know, but kids want more independence. They want to be able to make more choices but we need to make sure that they're doing so in a safe way. We need to make sure that they're not getting into situations that they can't handle, they're not ready to handle, that are in over their heads, not even necessarily for themselves. But our kids may be perfectly capable of handling certain situations, but there's external factors that make that more difficult. And helping them understand that as they grow into their independence is going to be really important. So We want to make room for their independence, but we also want to feel that our goals of keeping them safe and healthy are also met, and these are great negotiating opportunities. Teaching them how to approach a situation respectfully will give them huge advantages in life. When they ask for a raise, when they're working through relationship issues with friends, romantic partners, career goals. So of course, it's going to look different as we work with our kids. It's going to look different at two or three than it's going to look later on at 12, 13, 14. So I'm going to talk about what this looks like at different ages, what you can expect by age when you set up this type of dynamic in your home, starting with a really wonderful young toddler set around one year up through the second year. So toddlers are around one year old up until right before they turn three. So when kids exhibit behaviors that we feel are being disrespectful, there's almost always something else behind it. It's not meant to be disrespectful. So we need to first look at the reasons behind the behavior. So I'm gonna talk a lot about this, and once we work with them on this, how they can self-advocate in a respectful way. They get really good at this, and we can have really connecting conversations around what their needs are and any compromises we can make, and when we can't, we share why. And especially as they age, they are very often respectful of our decisions and they act very maturely. And I'm going to share lots of examples in my parenting and in the families I've been working with. So you'll have a lot of great ideas on how to approach these situations. Work with your kids to create some really respectful communicators who are confident in sharing their needs, their desires for change or for more independence. Okay, so for our really young kids, our toddlers, especially before the age of two, because they're not either nonverbal or they're just starting to learn some basic words for solid objects. Well, I mean like material objects, right? And then basic verbs. So they're learning words like when they first start speaking, words like food, ball, dog, eat, play, walk, car. You get the idea. Again, I wanna reiterate, there's a wide range of normal with language development, so please don't feel like I'm oh, a kid's two and. And they're not saying um you know two and three word phrases there's a wide range of normal you just want to see progress and if that's something you're concerned about you'll want to see your pediatrician but i'm just giving some basic ideas of language development here so when we start thinking about early talking early language communication it's very very basic now their understanding is going to be more sophisticated than their language but emotions are very complex they're often very nebulous concepts a lot of times as adults we are still working on understanding our own feelings and how to share our own feelings because we didn't grow up learning these skills most of us either so these are really complex concepts so for young toddlers to grasp the concept and then have any ability to express these advanced concepts in any articulate way is so far beyond their abilities so when they experience big feelings their go-to is often going to be physical, hitting, biting, grabbing the toy. They're, they're reactionary because of their brain development, but they also just don't have any words to go with what's happening in their body. So this is how they tell us, I'm feeling really uncomfortable with what's happening right now, and this is the only way I know how to communicate it. I mean, heck, I can barely say, if they're talking at all, right? One in two word phrases, maybe three word phrases, kitty jump more food, ball roll. They're not going to be able to tell you, I'm angry because my food fell on the floor and I'm hungry. That's a lot of stuff to understand and to articulate. They may understand it on some level, not ready to articulate it. So the response may come across as disrespectful. And often our first thought as a parent is, I need to fix this behavior so that my child understands this is not okay, that we are not allowed to react like this. So that's what we go to. That's our automatic reaction. But what really needs to happen, what we really need to do first is build a foundation for helping them understand the big feelings. Once they begin to understand big feelings, then we can work with them on how to express them differently. So first we're going to share what we observe. It looks like you're feeling very strongly about wanting to have all the blocks to yourself right now. Or I can see you're upset that your sister took a block from the pile. Now, I could keep digging in deeper and deeper here because these concepts just, um, they just keep going deeper. Because along with this, also the understanding of the development of self and the concept of sharing and when and how that comes on board and how to scaffold that process also plays into this scenario. But... Um, And it's not until after the age of three, by the way. So expecting any understanding of sharing this early is a recipe for frustration for everyone. So once you know that, you understand that, you can remove the frustration of expecting sharing early on because you know you're not gonna get very far working on that before the age of three to three and a half. So I'm just gonna throw that out there. But really working on building the foundation for emotion skills is where we're working right now. What is this uncomfortable thing that makes me wanna grab and hit? What is it called? Why am I having it? Knowing that this thing, the feeling, is normal, then we can start to work on the piece where we're guiding them to find better ways to express feelings. So this is going to be a process. I'm going to unfold this for you over the ages as we go through this episode. It's going to be a process over these early years just getting our toddlers to the place where they understand what this feeling is, what it's called, that it's normal, that it comes in because they're trying to protect their ideas, their vision, whatever it is they're working on, you know, they're really engaged in that. So they're, they want to protect that. And because there's a big sense of self going on right now, it's it's this, these things, these blocks, these are, these are an extension of me. These are mine, right? You hear that a lot. Mine, me, mine. So here's a few more examples. During a tantrum, your child may want to deal with it on their own and not be held and not be coddled or talked to. Some kids just need their space. And so they may swat at you or push you away to let you know they don't want you in their space right now that they wanna try to work through it on their own. And you can just respond to that. I can see you would prefer to handle this on your own. I'll be over in the kitchen if you change your mind and would like a hug. What we really wanna do is decode the reason behind the behavior. It starts with understanding that these behaviors happen because your child is overwhelmed with feelings they don't know how to express in any other way. They don't yet have the skills and they're trying to communicate their big feelings in the only way they know how. They're not trying to be disrespectful, they're just trying to share their big feelings. So once you help them establish some baseline understanding, you can work on helping them find other ways to express and work through these big feelings even if they aren't very verbal yet. Some of these ways for nonverbal kids may include or I'm not I' going to say nonverbal, but where they're just working on the real basics of language, right the nouns and the verbs, before they have a really big feelings vocabulary and understanding. Some of these things include running around. If you have a child who is highly active, and you'll know if they're always moving, always needing to move, you may want to offer to let them run around. You may want to offer to let them go hit the couch, hit the couch pillow, or throw something soft um, that isn't going to hurt somebody. Pick up their lovey and throw the lovey, throw the soft ball. Or they could squeeze something soft. I can see you're feeling really angry that I put you down. You want more time on my lap. When you get angry and want to squeeze, or you want to throw, or you want to hit, your stuffed kitty is a really good thing to squeeze or to throw. Let's squeeze the kitty. So you're guiding them to something else to do with that energy, with that anger, with that frustration, with that big feeling. So then you can scaffold this. So after a few times of working on this, you can just remind your child. It looks like you're feeling frustrated. Remember, so whatever their go-to is, some kids like to squeeze, some kids like to throw, you'll know what your child's go-to is. Remember to squeeze your kitty if you want to squeeze something, or remember to throw your soft kitty if you feel like throwing something. And you always want to state it in the positive. Remember, instead of don't forget, always state what to do rather than what not to do. Because our brains don't know what to do with the negative, and, and young, young kids really don't know what to do with that. They can't turn language around. They're very, very basic in their language. So it's always better to use the positive with anyone, but especially with really young kids. Now as kids start to become more verbal, we can guide them to use their words. We're talking about age three to four. They're gonna have a lot more words, a lot more vocabulary. We're gonna guide them to use, we can guide them to use their words. Kids this age can have very strong opinions about the way things should go, or the way things should be, depending on their temperament or the personality type. They may even demand. Not wanting to raise kids who expect to get their way all the time, we may jump to setting a boundary or setting it stronger, which then ramps up the power struggle. So looking behind the behavior, the ask, the demand, and connecting to that first. So one example I got this week was um, a mom of a three-year-old who wanted to be rocked to sleep. But this isn't a habit that mom wanted to invite into their lives. They had a very specific bedtime routine where a daughter had been putting herself to sleep for quite some time. She wasn't about to take that backwards. So they've had a really good boundary around bedtime. She didn't want to undo that. But she dealt with the big meltdown when she reminded her daughter of how bedtime goes in their house. So we talked about connecting with the reason that her daughter might've been asking for this and offering a compromise. And so here's the script I gave her. It sounds like you would really like some extra time to connect before bedtime tonight. Am I understanding this correctly? So first, we're gonna look for the reason behind the behavior a lot of times it's really obvious, and we can usually get it pretty closely or right on, but we're going to check in and make sure that we're, that we're reading it correctly, because it may be something completely unrelated, but this way we're checking in and making sure so that we can compromise in a way that's going to work for the need that they're looking for. So then I said, well, offering to rock her for five minutes before going to bed, this way the daughter gets the extra connection she's looking for, but she doesn't put them back into a bad habit of needing to be, of the parent needing to be present and a participant, and her daughter falling asleep and then remind her I would be happy to rock you for five minutes before bed but when the five minutes is up you will need to get right into bed agreed so we're being very respectful we're coming up to an agreement and we're and we're both agreeing on it and this way they're very likely to follow through on that they're happy because they feel like they've been a part of this problem solving process and we're teaching them really good problem solving skills and a respectful way of doing that so if we look for the reason underneath any ask or demand first, then we can work on guiding them with how it's being presented. So another example I got yesterday was the daughter of a, very was the daughter got very adamant and bossy about the parents being in her room while she was putting her clothes away and wanting her, the parent to leave. She wanted her space and her privacy. She wanted independence to play, and this is fair, and it's a wonderful trait since so many parents are struggling with the opposite with their young kids, often wanting parents to play with them constantly. So having a child who's really independent is awesome, so connecting with that. It sounds like you would really like your space to yourself right now, is that true? Your child feels heard, they feel understood, and this deflates that big reaction. Then you can talk about how she can say that in a better way. Here's how you can ask mom in a more respectful way. Hey mom, I'd really like to be alone right now. Then, and this is really important, have your child practice. This is how they learn to make a new habit. It seems silly, and sometimes your kid will act like it's silly, but it is really important. I would love to give you your privacy right now. Let me hear you practice, so it's easier for you to remember the next time. Then once your child repeats or says something similar in their own language, you give positive feedback. That was very polite. Thank you for asking nicely. Okay, I'm going to get into some more examples and guidance for preschoolers and then move on to tips and guidance for older age ranges right after a word from our sponsors. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Now that we're back, A few more ways preschoolers may try to assert independence in seemingly disrespectful ways how to deal with them. The first is when they try to tell adults what to do. Um, This is very common. I've had a lot of parents come to me and say that their child, their preschooler especially, is trying to be really bossy and really kind of manipulate and run and control the situation. Just as one example, my oldest son did this once. He tried to give me choices a few times. And I've had a couple other parents say they've had this experience as well. A lot of times what we use with our kids, they're sometimes going to test and try it back on us. And they are wondering how to handle it. So like all other situations, we want to look first to see if there's a reason behind the feeling. Sometimes it's just... I'm going to see if this works, or I'm going to, you know, she uses this on me all the time, so I'm going to try it on her. Sometimes it's just a test, but sometimes there's a reason behind that behavior. They're wanting us to do something in particular because of a particular want or need that they have. So we're going to look for that first. But whatever that reason is, after we initially connect to it, then we want to just simply inform them. This is what I did with my son, that adults are in a position of leadership, because we've had a lot more life experience. And so we have a lot of knowledge about how to set up good habits that will help them live a happy, successful life. And there's other examples where kids will sometimes try to tell adults what to do or try to control situations that aren't really in their jurisdiction, like telling parents to sing a song, sing this song, or Not to sing, right? Stop singing. Or trying to interrupt conversations or coming between two parents who are holding hands or hugging and trying to get in the middle. Um, Very common for children to say, my mommy or my daddy and try to push the parents apart. Um, Connecting with the feelings. We're going to connect with that feeling, of feeling left out or of feeling excited to share a thought or idea with the interrupting. I can see you're really excited to share a thought or feeling you have right now and you're probably afraid you're going to forget it, but I need you to hold that thought I'm going to finish my conversation, it'll be one minute, and then we'll will be your turn. Another way is preschoolers wanting to control something or change something that isn't in their best interest for the values, the habits, the lifestyle that you're guiding them to appreciate and adopt, such as pushing to move a bedtime later or pushing for less nutritious choices for a snack or a meal. In these instances, it's about lovingly, but firmly setting the boundaries around the values of good sleep, good health habits, whatever that value is that you're trying to instill in your children. I've done a lot of episodes around how to do these on many different scenarios of bedtime struggles, mealtime struggles. So searching the episodes for bedtimes or mealtimes, whatever your struggle is, you'll find a ton of information on how to deal with different scenarios, different temperament types in your children, and even depending on your parenting style, what feels personally best and most comfortable for you, the way you want to parent for your personality. You can find a lot of that information in previous episodes. The last way is when they're making a choice and they choose something outside the list given. So This is them trying to assert some independence. Now depending on what they present, you can allow their extraneous choice or not allow it and explain why. So here's two examples of each. It's snack time, would you like a banana or an apple? A cookie, cookie is not a fruit. So we need to choose apple or banana. We don't do cookies for snack. They aren't as nutritious as fruit. Now if you say apple or banana and they choose strawberry, you can allow that and say, okay, we can do strawberry because strawberry is another fruit. So it's in the realm. It falls into the category that you've already given. Sometimes they'll do that with a lovey. Do you want teddy or kitty cat today? I want dinosaur. Okay. Dinosaur is another soft lovey and nice small lovey that we can take with us to see your aunt today. So you can explain that they can do that and why they can do that because it's it's within the parameters of the choices that you're already giving. If it's outside of those parameters, you're gonna say no and just reiterate the first choice. Okay, so now I'm gonna move on to what I call school age, but it's really elementary school age, elementary schools here in the US, for ages five to 10. Now this is a really fun time because once we've established these strong emotion skills in our younger kids, the respectful communication, kids this age can be really skilled most of the time at communicating their ideas, their wants and their needs. Now of course when they're tired or emotional from a long or hard day, they'll get more impulsive in their communication and their feelings and they may have an off day or evening. But I found those ages overall to be extremely pleasant to parent and even into the tween and teen years has been amazing because there's a really solid foundation set up. So starting in these age groups with working in the earlier years, they'll have great language skills by the time they hit five, six, and seven, and they just get better and better. They're getting better and better at problem solving, at conflict resolution, at negotiation skills. Their emotion skills and their social skills are really pretty solid by five and six if they've had this baseline. Also, if you do preschool and you have a play-based preschool, they get a lot of practice at these skills, at communication, at cooperative play, at problem-solving, negotiating. If you had to or decided to do homeschool during the preschool years, you can still emulate the preschool environment that allows them to grow these skills and gives lots of opportunities. So you do this with opportunities for peer play so they can practice their cooperative play skills. Within ongoing play dates, a few times a week, especially if it's with the same kids, because it really helps them build that relationship and practice with the same people. And as the relationship grows, they get more comfortable. They're going to learn to cooperate and problem-solve even more. So kids in the 5 to 10 range will often advocate for a lot of things. The fun thing is that in this age range and beyond, we can entertain the idea. So one example is bedtime. So when you have a toddler who's trying to push for later bedtime, The answer is just no, right? They're not gonna say I want a later bedtime, but they're gonna give you trouble at bedtime. And the answer is just to set the boundary, because parents set bedtimes in toddlerhood and preschool. They just do, partially because they want kids to have good sleep, but we also need some time alone as parents. It's it's a lot of it's also for us to get that quiet time, and that's when we can have it is in the evenings when they go to sleep. Once they hit elementary school age and they they advocate for a different bedtime, they're doing it in a different way, but it's also something we can entertain. So two of my kids wanted a later bedtime and asked for this at different points. My oldest, it was a no-brainer. He's a super early riser, never has trouble getting up in the morning. He's always up, he's always getting ready for school, gets ready on his own, and has pretty much since the beginning. We've had a rough day here and there when he's been up late or had a rough night where he was up a couple times in the middle of the night, but he is an early riser, no problem. So and so we just set up an agreement where I said, you know, what, we'll move it later by 15 minutes. And if it goes really well and you're still getting up with no problem and you want another 15 minutes, we'll we'll do that in another week if it still if it goes really smoothly for a week. then we'll add another 15 minutes later. So pushed his bedtime by half an hour. My daughter wanted the same thing at one point, but she was usually tired in the morning, she's so a little cranky. she had a hard time getting up for school. So I had to let her know once we saw her getting up easily for school, then it's something we could consider. And we were eventually able to do this with her as well. When we treat our kids with this type of fairness, they know we are considering their desires, their feelings. They're much more cooperative when we really do need to deny their request. Because in many other areas, I had given my daughter more freedoms, so she accepted this no very easily and understood my reasons. So this type of dynamic in your family is what makes adolescence. So this type of dynamic in your family is what makes adolescence so much easier. Adolescents really want to feel seen as the young adult they are becoming. They want to be seen and considered responsible and independent. So it really starts in toddlerhood setting up this foundation tweens and teens will continue to ask and advocate for their wants and their needs whether it's for more independence in one area or another or it's an opportunity they would like to have and these conversations can be really enjoyable when they have the emotional intelligence and when they feel and understand that the relationship is based in respect and true caring so here's an example from just this week on monday night my oldest who's 13 So He's been doing junior lifeguards since he was nine, two years where we used to live at a lake. 2020, there was no junior lifeguards. 2021, last year he did it in Oceanside, which is the town where I live, but I missed the deadline for that one. So this year we signed up for Carlsbad instead. But after the first day at dinner, he said, I really don't want to go back. I really am not liking it. He talked about why, because the beach is really rocky. So it's a state beach. So, they don't maintain it like the cities do. So, I totally get it. It's like they have to climb over this big pile of rocks. It hurts their feet. So they have to climb over this before they can even get to the sandy part of the beach. And I don't like my kids spending their summer unhappy. I don't want them to be unhappy. I don't want them to not enjoy their time. But I had to explain that he really needed to stick it out. It's three weeks, it's only half days, and I can't get a refund. So, and otherwise he was just gonna sit around at home and sit on his computer. So I said, we'll do everything we can to make it more pleasant with any type of equipment or shoes that he might need to make climbing over the rock pile, to get to the sand more palatable. I said, just tell us what you need, we'll do the best we can to make this the most pleasant experience we can. And he took that answer very maturely. He didn't fight back, he didn't get angry, he didn't argue, he didn't say I was mean or I was unfair. He knows not just from this exchange, but from so many of these exchanges and this connection and relationship we've built up over the years that I really want and I try to do everything I can to do what I think is best for him and that it's all out of love. He absolutely knows that and feels that. And as it turns out, he actually had much better days after that first day. The next two days went so much better. So he's actually liking it better. The first day was just rough. So he even told me last night that he got third place in the run, swim, run competition. They had to run out past the breakers, swim along the shore, and then come back in and run back up to the beach where they started. He hasn't been on a swim team in over a year. So that was really impressive, and he was definitely really proud of himself. So it was really nice to see that. Nice to see that he was enjoying that. So I hope digging into this further, regardless of what age your kids are now, toddlers and beyond that you can see the roadmap for how to allow kids to have this room to self advocate, to self express, but also guide them towards ways that are still mature and respectful that we can have both. And I covered a lot of material today. I touched on a lot of material as well. If you want to know more about emotional development and how and when to work on the sharing in ways that are most respectful to their development of self, that it's going to make it easier because they're ready to learn about it. The class you're developing preschooler covers that topic specifically. Also you're developing toddler covers the precursors in emotional and social development. If you're having particular struggles with bedtimes or setting solid healthy eating habits, there are two sleep classes, infants, and one for toddlers and beyond. The same for feeding and mealtimes, there's infants, preschoolers and beyond. Along with all 60 classes, including the very important foundational classes of positive discipline, are on the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you want to follow me on social, I'm at yourvillageonline on Instagram and yourvillage on Facebook. Thanks for listening and see you next week